to worship, open the Word of God, and to study together. Uh, you notice as I was praying, I was praying for Dave. Dave is headed out uh, this week and doing a kind of a research, recon, if you will. Uh, we know that in the Pacific Rim there are millions of people, millions of different groups, of, well, even different groups of people, but millions of people who have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And one of the concerns that we have as a church is that uh, we are part of sending the, the truth of Jesus Christ to the different parts of the world and making sure that we're reaching the unreached. And so Dave is going this week. You can be lifting him up as he travels. And there's a conference that he's headed to that is specifically dealing with that Pacific Rim and the folks that are there that don't know Jesus Christ yet and how we could be part of helping them. And so be praying, if you would, this week as he's gone and, and part of that. Um, that would be muchly appreciated by him and by also by us as a church. If you have been with us the last well, number of weeks now, I guess Mike and I were talking, I think we're in week nine or ten at this point, uh, but we have been wandering through the book of Philippians, and one of the things that we realize very quickly as we do this is that no matter how much time we put into working on messages and getting ready for this, we realize that it's so hard to cover all that is in these books. Um, and uh, I, last week, uh, realized that I just was not going to be able to get through all the verses, and, and I even went long, and I still didn't do it. Um, and this week, the same, we're only going to look at a couple of thoughts this week in the, in the few verses we're looking at. We'll be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 17, uh, to chapter 4, verse 3. And uh, we're going to look at just a couple thoughts in those verses this morning. Our, our title for all of this series has been Citizens of Heaven, and uh, we're going to talk about being a citizens of, citizen of heaven this morning. Uh, that's one of the places in Philippians where that thought came from is chapter 3 and uh, the end of the chapter, and we're going to be talking about what it means to be a citizen of heaven this morning. I want to talk to you as well about living distinctly from the culture that we find ourselves in. And as citizens of heaven, we don't live the same way that everybody else does. And so that's really kind of the thoughts. As a citizen of heaven, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then we live distinctly from everyone else. I'm a watcher of people. It's one of my pastimes. I go shopping with my wife. I don't really enjoy shopping um, at all. I enjoy being with my wife. I enjoy at times following my wife around and being out of sight and her not knowing that I'm there, I, I do this. I'll sit out in the car and I'll wait till she's shopping. And then I sneak into the store and I just wander around. And when the kids were little, we used to play games where the kids and I would hide. They would hide underneath the clothes. Um, and we would hide and to see how close we could get to Pam without her knowing that we were there. Just things that we do to amuse ourselves. I'm easily amused, Okay. But I love watching people, and so one of the things I do when she goes shopping is sometimes I just sit in the car and I watch people go in and out. And people are fascinating to me, what they do and what they don't do, and how they act when they think no one's watching. It's, it's an amazing thing to me. Well, one of the things I like to do is I enjoy watching little kids. And little kids are fascinating to me because they get so wrapped up in their world that they don't really realize that there's anybody else around or what anybody else is doing. And one of the things that you'll notice if you watch little kids play and you watch a bunch of little kids playing is that they are great imitators, right? If one child does something, the others, right? 
And especially if it's something that's kind of on the edge. You watch kids and there are those who are on the edge and they like to jump right in and be on the edge. And then you have the others that stand back and they're kind of not sure if they want to be on the edge or not on the edge. And, and, and they're, they're, but they're great imitators. And, and if there's a parent there and you watch the parent do something, the kids, you like to see the, the kids will imitate what the parent does, right? And if you watch very long, you notice this pattern in people. Well, the thing is, is that's not just in children, that's also in adults, we are imitators, and we imitate those that we look up to. We imitate those that we spend a lot of time with, and I've noticed certain things. I grew up, as Mike shared a few weeks ago, that Mike and I know each other really well. We grew up together, and I've watched Mike as he's grown and as he's become older, and you know what I know about Mike? Mike is Bob's son. And you know why I know Mike is Bob's son? Well, first of all, I know them really well. But secondly, I went to Bible school and, and Mike's dad, Bob, taught at Bible school. And I watched him. He taught some of the classes that I were in. And you know what? There are times when Mike is speaking and it's Bob. <laughs> it is. Sorry, Melody. I know you. That's a whole nother thing. But he imitates, he's like his dad. You know what? The other day I was up at the greenhouses, at the Young's greenhouses, and Glenn was walking down between the greenhouses. And I was sitting in my truck, I had pulled into my truck, and I was watching him walk down, and you know what I thought? There's Earl. He walked just like Earl. Exactly like Earl. You know what I noticed about my, my dad's been gone 27, 28 years. And in the last few years of my life, I have done things, and I'm like, that's Clarence. That's my dad. And I know when we're young, we say, I'm never going to be like my parents. Teens, I know you're like, I'm never going to do the crazy things. That, no way. I'm sorry you are. <laughs> we are all bound to imitate those that we are closest to. It's something that happens in us, and the traits that we see in people and the traits that we see in those who are close to us, we end up imitating. Ben, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's what this first verse really is all about. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. He says, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. On the face, this statement would seem really prideful, but it's not. It would seem that Paul is saying, I'm so amazing that you should be like me, but that's not what he's saying at all. Remember what we talked about last week about Paul's life. Paul said this, he said, look, I realize that I have not arrived yet, but I press toward the goal, the prize, 
which is found in Jesus Christ, the high calling that's found in being like Jesus Christ. And I know that I have not arrived there yet. I am not fully mature, but I am striving toward that. I am becoming more and more like Jesus every day. That is my goal. That is my, that's what I'm striving for. And I know that I won't attain that until I get to glory with God. But that's my goal. And when he says that, he goes into verse 17 here and he says this, now you imitate me in what I'm doing. I haven't arrived. I'm not that good yet. But that's where I'm headed and I'm reaching with everything I have to become more like Jesus Christ. And I want you to join me in this. And often we shrink back from telling people to imitate us because we're, we know us, right? <laughs> You know you. You know you better than anybody else that's around you. You know what's in your heart. You know your thoughts. You know the things that you struggle with. You know those parts of your life that give you a hard time day in and day out, week after week, month after month. You know where your life has been and what God has taken you through. And so often we shrink back and we go, look, I want you to see Jesus, but don't look at me. And that's a great thought, but it's not completely biblical. Oh yes, we need to see Jesus. But folks, we need to step up and we need to tell people, watch me as I follow Jesus. That's scary. That's a lot of responsibility. But Paul will tell you right up front, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all right. I don't have it all figured out. But believer, watch me. Join me as I imitate Jesus. I need to stop here for a minute because there's a lot of folks that are seating in in these theaters and watching online who are Christ followers. And a lot of us want to hide in the shadow as Christ followers. And I've heard it said many, many times by Christ followers that my relationship with Jesus is between me and Jesus. And yes, your relationship with Jesus starts with you and Jesus. That's true. But the moment that you become a Christ follower, it's no longer just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and everybody else that rub shoulders with you. And it's not good enough as Christ followers for us to sit in the corner and in the shadow and in the darkness and say, it's just me and Jesus against the world and and I don't want anybody else looking at me and I don't want anybody else part of what I'm doing because Jesus calls us to be an example of Jesus Christ to the people we live with. And folks, you may be the only Jesus that some people will ever see in their life. And so Paul steps out on a limb here and he says this, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters. As your pastor, I say to you, join in imitating me. I don't have it all together. I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say things that are not correct. I'm going to do things that are not completely right all the time. I know it. But can I tell you what my heart's desire is? 
And I tell you what my heart's desire has been? It's to follow Jesus. It's to put Jesus first in everything that I do. It's to allow the Spirit of God to mold my heart into the image of Jesus Christ and make me more like him each and every day of my life. And you know what I want to say to you? Come with me. Imitate me. Because when I fail, I'll ask for forgiveness. I do it regularly. And you know what? Jesus always, he's waiting. But church, come with me. Imitate me as I follow Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. Imitate, join me, come with me. Let's go together and do this. And he doesn't just say it's you and me and Jesus. If you look at the rest of that verse, he says, look, look, he says this. He says, brothers, pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. It's not just you and me. There's a whole bunch of us that are doing this together. It's a call to the church as a whole. It's a call to believers as a whole. Come and let's walk together in this life of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And we're going to fail. And we're not. We're going we're gonna to come up short in doing it. But Jesus just keeps showing up in our life and says, that's okay, I'll forgive you. And you can become more, more like me tomorrow and tonight. And you can pull others with you. Believer, when was the last time that you looked at the people in your family, the people that you work with, your neighbors, and you said to them, join in, imitate me as I follow Jesus? When was the last time? That's huge. That's scary. Imitate me and I will give you a taste of Jesus. I will introduce you to the one who has changed my life. The one who has given me hope. The one who has offered me forgiveness. The one who has accepted me into his family. The one who has granted me an inheritance. The one who has made a place for me at the table that I belong at. Come, imitate me, and I'll introduce you to Jesus. They need to see Jesus in you and say, you have something I need. You have something that's changed you. You have something that has made you someone you could never be on your own. It's the person of Christ in you and in me. The next few verses help, verses help us to understand how Paul could say this whole thing of imitate me. Imitate me as I follow Jesus. Imitate me and look at the people who have been following me because they're an example of Jesus Christ in their everyday living. These next few verses help us with that. Let, let me give them to you. Chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. He says it this way. For I have often told you, and now I say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Christ. 
Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And they are focused on earthly things. Our citizenship, you say it with me, is where? Is in heaven. It's where our title comes from. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. These couple of verses give us a picture of how Paul can step up and say, join me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Join with me. And the reason he can do that is he knows where his citizenship is is. He knows where he belongs. And this, these verses we just read give us a picture of two types, two citizens. A citizen of the world and a citizen of heaven. You catch it? A citizen of the world and a citizen of heaven. And Paul says, because I'm a citizen of heaven, you can imitate my life. Because there is something different about my life. Something has happened. The authority, the master, the ruler, the one who has control of my life has become totally different than it used to be. A citizen of heaven or a citizen of the world. Now, the people he's writing to, and let me give you a little background so you understand why he brings this all out. The people in Philippi would have understood this whole thing of citizenship because this little city was under Roman control. And this little city of Philippi had decided early on in its existence that it would help Rome. And so, as Rome was conquering the then-known world, they sided with Rome and Julius Caesar, and they helped Rome conquer the areas around them. And because they had done that, Rome gave them citizenship. And so all of the people of Philippi all of a sudden earned the citizenship as Roman citizens, they, they all of a sudden became Roman citizens. And the freedom and all the rights of being a Roman citizen were granted to them because they had been with Rome and what Rome was doing. And they had earned their citizenship. And so when Paul starts talking about citizenship, they immediately go, oh, it's all the freedoms and rights that we get from Rome. That's what he's talking about. That's what I get. Philippians chapter 1 verse 22 says, As citizens of heaven, we are to walk worthy of our position, of who we are. And they would understand that because as citizens of Rome, they had rights and they had to walk worthy of being the citizen of Rome. And so Paul likens that to being a citizen of heaven. Those who are citizens of heaven are different than those who are a citizen of this world. Let me, let me help you with that. Paul starts this by saying, I say this with tears in my eyes. He has this incredible concern for those people who are citizens of this world, those who don't know Jesus Christ yet. He has a deep compassion and a heartfelt concern for those who do not have a relationship with Christ. And his concern is for those who have been, who have been owned by 
the worldly pleasures and the worldly desires. And he explains that. He describes them not only as being selfish, which he talks about. They want their own desires. They think about their own stomachs and the, the, own, the things that please them, the things that make them happy. But he, he takes it farther than that. And he says this, not only are they looking out for themselves, but they're also enemies of the cross, enemies of God. So I need you to understand something this morning. If I'm a citizen of the world, I'm not just all about myself. I'm against God. Did you catch that? If I'm a citizen of the world, I'm not just about what I like and what I desire and what I want and what makes me happy, but I'm an enemy of God. And the reason that matters so much, folks, is because often in the church, We allow the world to creep in and we think that people can sit on the fence between the two. And they can't. You're either a citizen of this world or you're a citizen of heaven. There's an old African proverb that I've used before and it says this. A man who tries to straddle a fence will only do one thing. Rip his pants. I don't know if it's African or not. I made that up. What happens to us, folks, this is when we try to straddle between the two and we don't make the choice, we just rip our pants spiritually. God says you're either a citizen of the world or you're a citizen of heaven. And he goes in to explain that. And I want to help you to understand a little bit about some of the differences that come if we're a citizen of heaven. If I'm a citizen of the world, then my satisfaction becomes my deepest desire. And it becomes evident in how I treat my family and how I treat the people that I live life with, and how I go about doing my job. And I become very annoyed with people because they're not allowing me to be what I want. And they get in my way. And my schedule becomes more important than the people around me. And my desires become more important than the people around me. And Paul brings this out because... It was creeping into the church. There were people who were saying that they were Christ followers. And they were creeping into the church and they were teaching a gospel that wasn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were all about themselves. And they were teaching about how the gospel would make them important. And how it would provide for them. And how it would look after them. And Paul says, no, the distinction is too great. If you're of the world, then you're of the world. And if you're of Christ, then you're of Christ. Being a citizen of heaven means that we are different. We are different because we're bought with a price. We're different because we are adopted into a family, the family of God. We are different because we are 
protected by the Holy Spirit. We are different because we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This means it's heaven first. It's Jesus Christ first. We are citizens of heaven and our goals are different. Our desires are different. Our passions are different. Where we spend our time is different. Where we spend our energy is different. Where I spend my money is different. They are all different because they start and end with Jesus Christ, not me. And if I am a citizen of heaven and Christ has my heart, then my thoughts and my actions and my desires start and end with the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. If I am a citizen of heaven, then I must remember I do not belong here. You ever had the feeling that you don't belong? I was chatting with someone this week, and one of the conversations that we had this week is, they told me, I said, I don't feel, I often don't feel like I belong. And I said, welcome to the club. If you are truly a citizen of heaven, if you are a Christ follower, if you have given your heart and your life and your soul to Jesus Christ, and he is your master and your Lord, then this world and this culture ought to make you feel very out of place. You don't belong. I was traveling in South America doing research and survey. And uh, it was a group of us guys. We were on mo- motorbikes. And, and we were looking for groups of uh, tribes of people that were known to exist, but they didn't know exactly where they are. And we ended up down at the, uh, at the southern tip of Bolivia in a little town called Yaquiba. It's right on the border of Argentina. And, of course, we're young guys. This was a number of years ago, quite a few years ago now. And we're young guys, and we're there. It was evening. And the guys that I with said, have you ever had an Argentinian steak? And I'm like, no. And they're like, it's right across the border. I'm like, I'm in. Let's go. And so we crossed the bridge, went into Argentina, walked into this little uh, this little barbecue pit, um, literally what it was, there was a 12-foot-long bar- barbecue pit against one wall, and you walked in, and there was a half a cow hanging there, and you pointed out the steak you wanted, and they hacked it off, and they threw it on the pit, and it was awesome, incredible meat, by the way. And so we ate that night, and we, we get back, and we uh, go back across to go back across the border into Bolivia, and uh, I, I had my passport stamped in Argentina, and I get to the, the cross, there's a bridge over a river, and I'm walking across, I get to Bolivia, and the guy says, you can't enter. I just came from Bolivia. He stamped my passport when I left. I ate, I mean, it was an awesome steak, but, and he went, so I went back to Argentina, and the guy says, no, you just came out of Argentina, you can't go back in. So I'm on a bridge over a river for eight hours. Not allowed to go into either country. I was a man who didn't belong. Ever felt like you didn't belong? I was wondering how long I was living on the bridge. I didn't belong either place. And that's the feeling that we really should have as citizens of heaven. We're in no man's land. We're in a place that we don't belong. 
It's not our home. And the problem that happens to us as Christ followers, to all of us as Christ followers at one point or another, is we like security. We like to feel at home. And so what we do is we surround ourselves with parts of the world that feel good because we want to belong. We want to fit in. And Satan will take those things and he'll work his way into our heart and our our life and we will forget. The scripture actually says this about us. It says we're citizens of heaven, but we are strangers and aliens in this land. And instead, we want creature comforts, we want security, we want to feel like we fit in. When in reality, we should feel good about the fact that we don't belong. Because we don't. Our master, our savior, the one who gave his life on our behalf, has a totally different outlook on life than this world does, than the United States of America does. And if we are citizens of heaven, then we need to live in how he views this world, not how we do. We are different. We should feel out of place. We should feel like we're strangers. We don't belong. You and I should not feel comfortable here. Because our mindset and our goal is contrary to what this world, this culture stands for. We stand for absolute truth found in the authority of the word of God. Our world doesn't stand for that. We believe that all humanity, all human beings are sinners in need of a savior. Our world does not believe that. We believe that is God who determines what is sinful and what is acceptable, that he is the one who sets the standard, not humanity. Our world does not believe that. And if we are citizens of heaven, then we stand on what God says about this world, not what everyone else thinks. As a citizen of heaven, I kneel, you kneel to a different master. The promise of that citizenship that I have is eternity with him. It's being made into the image and the likeness of God. And it starts here and it starts now. But here's the kicker this morning. We all have to choose. We all have to choose. And not choosing is a choice. Citizens of this world or citizens of heaven. Because not choosing means that we're automatically a citizen of this world. Romans 5.12 says it this way, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because 
all have sinned. And folks, by not choosing, we are choosing to be a citizen of this world, to live in our sin in a condemned state before God. But God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love, he saved me. Through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ on the cross and my accepting his payment for my sin, I change from a citizen. I revoke my citizenship in this world and I become a citizen of heaven. A new master, a new Lord, a new Savior. You and I have to choose. What's your choice? To remain a citizen of this world and living for self, an enemy of the cross and an enemy of God, or to accept what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf, to accept his payment for your sin, to repent, to ask his forgiveness And to follow him and become a citizen of heaven, you can. And hopefully you have. Becoming a citizen of heaven is a choice. It's an act of my will. I come to the place where I choose Jesus. I put him first. I trust him to look after the payment of my sin. And no matter what our world or our culture does, I put God first I choose Jesus. Hopefully that's been you. Hopefully you've come to that place. If you haven't this morning, you can. You can. It's simply bowing the knees of your heart to Jesus Christ and saying, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I accept the the payment for my sin that's found in Jesus Christ. I say yes to Jesus, Jesus first. Father, thank you so much that you made a way for us to become citizens of heaven. And for those of us who are citizens of heaven in this room, in these rooms online that are watching, help us to have the courage to say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Follow me. Help us to do this together, to paint a picture of the greatness and the goodness of Jesus Christ that people would be renewed and redeemed because of the lives that we're living. And Father, if there's some here this morning who are a citizen of this world, they don't have a relationship with you. They haven't given their heart and their life to you. Father, by your spirit, draw them to you. Help them to understand the forgiveness and the hope that's found in yielding their hearts and their lives to you grant them the courage to do that even this morning. But for the rest of us, we say Jesus first. Jesus, our Master, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. Jesus first.